Hey everybody, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of Down to Earth. My name is Harriet Kamek. Today is Sunday, June 7th, and I almost had to look at the calendar prior to uh, making sure that I'm saying the right uh, date because it's amazing to me that we're six months into the new year. It's June 2020. And what a year this has been. I mean, yesterday, a couple of days ago, I was in the post office and somebody actually said, uh, maybe we need to rewind 2020. And someone else said, no, we need to fast forward to 2021. Can't wait. Just simply can't wait. I mean, this year has been off to some sort of start. I mean, it's been an incredible year. And I'm still optimistic that by the end of the year, things will settle down and and pair off, but I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure that this might not just be the year that we get the change that we've been agitating for and the change that we need. So wherever you are, I hope that this indeed becomes your year, your year of significant, monumental, momentous change. And in talking about that, I just want to give a shout out to protesters all over the country. I appreciate our Latina brothers and sisters and our white friends who have joined us in the movement to suppress racial inequality and to stop violence against Blacks, especially police violence. That's really what we're protesting. We're protesting the fact that Black people are inordinately killed, disproportionately killed by more police officers than anybody else. We need reform and we need it now. And we all have a piece of the pie. And let me just say yesterday, I posted a picture to from Twitter that showed up on my feed with armed white militia in Sterling Heights, Michigan, at the same place where a Black Lives Matter gathering was. There were over 6,000 people demonstrating for Black Lives Matter. And it's amazing to me that white militia feel emboldened enough to show up in their gear, in their fatigues, as if they're, they're, they're military when they're not. And the police did nothing about it. Black men showing up with guns are killed at the same time that white men can show up with guns and just stand around. That's inequality. To drive while you're black and to be subjected to a police search is wrong. To be living while black and to be killed while black is wrong every time, all the time. And as we can see from all these protests, this is not just in America. I mean, people all over the world have chipped in. When you see people in New Zealand and Germany are having Black Lives Matter protests that tells you that something is very, very wrong. So even if you could get away with saying, well, it's white supremacy and whites are superior or whatever the ideology that promotes your own particular belief, it it is not correct. And we've been saying that for centuries. It's not correct when one race believes they're superior to someone else. That means there will be violence to enforce that ideology. That system of ideology is what continues. It does not keep the peace contrary to what people think and contrary to opinion. Enforcing an ideology with violence does not keep the peace. It just means that you are keeping your status quo. And so as we move forward and as we go through these times, these are troubling times. These are times that cause us all to pause and reflect on what is and what isn't. And as a person who is black, I am a black person. I'm black, and I cannot just sit back and pretend that this is not happening 
and that it is not happening to me and it's not happening to people whom I know and love. Even if I don't know you, the fact that we share the same ethnicity and the same color scheme means that I have to speak up and use my voice to advocate for change. And change will come and change must come, whatever the form that that change might be. And let's just be clear that change often is, 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 is preceded by chaos. We're seeing chaotic times right now. It did not help that the rhetoric coming from some of our leaders promoted that chaos. In a climate like this, you can't sit back in your 1950s or 1940s mode of thinking that you are superior. That's not what this movement is about. And so here we are again today, 60 years later after civil rights, uh, more than 100 years after Jim Crow, more 400 years after slavery, and we're still saying it's time for equality. There's something wrong with that, and that has got to stop. So these are indeed troubling times. Uh, we don't know what the outcome is, but today, just this morning, for just a few minutes, we're going to put our trust, we're going to take our minds, off of the troubles, take our minds off everything that has gone wrong and what we don't know could happen this week. And we're going to focus in on God and ask God for just a few brief moments to bring us to a place where we focus on him. Let's move up to the Lord and ask him for his direction. Father, in Jesus' name, as we gather together, we pray your peace on everyone today. For those who plan to protest today, we pray your arm of protection around them. Soften the hearts of leaders everywhere. Soften the hearts of people in corporate spaces, of people in political power, so they know to accede and to hear the voice of those who are crying out for help. Let the voices of your people be heard. And just for a few moments, Lord, we're going to focus on your comforting words in the book of John, chapter 14, that encourages us to not let our hearts be troubled. We're going to put our trust in you, that you're going to guide us through this change, in Jesus' mighty name, let everybody say amen. So like everybody else, we've been watching all of this. We're still in the midst of a pandemic. How many of you are still walking out with your masks? Okay, so I see that some of us are not going to walk out with our masks. <laughs> How many of you are still using your hand sanitizers? I never stop, so my hands are permanently scarred from using hand sanitizers for, for years. I've been using hand sanitizers for decades now. So I permanently have dry hands because as soon as I touch surfaces when I'm out in public, that's the first thing I've been doing. I've always kept hand sanitizers in my car when I touch gas pumps. During winter, I use gloves when I'm touching gas pump and all that kind of stuff. I use uh, liberally disinfecting spray. I'm almost afraid to admit that that has been my thing for years. You know what I mean? My kids used to come home and they would say, Mom, the place smells of bleach. Why does the house always smell of bleach like that? They're not complaining now, though. <laughs> they're not complaining. After COVID, they're not complaining. They're not complaining. I haven't heard one complaint about how the house smells of bleach. Sometimes you come to my house and it would smell of bleach. I use bleach to clean the floors. I use bleach on surfaces. I use bleach like every day in the bathrooms, I use bleach in the kitchen. So how many of us have stopped using those things? Well, I encourage you to get back to using it because as more people are going out and interacting more, you're coming across more people. So you still need to be careful. Wear your masks, okay? Have your gloves on. Still try to maintain social distancing. It's very hard to do in a large crowd. I know that 
but still try and keep hydrated. It's very hot outside, so keep hydrated. This is something that none of us saw coming. Uh, but at the same time, there's still a pandemic out there, and the virus has not taken a vacation. The virus is still out there. I, I'm still kind of in two minds, too, because I'm like, how come we're out and about, <laughs> and they told us not to go out because we would catch the virus, and now we're gone out, and, you know, well, the cases in Michigan have spiked, I must admit. People are not dying as much, but they are still getting sick. Uh, they have downplayed the media coverage of it, of course, but that doesn't mean that we should. everything is all okay when it comes to that. But for just a few minutes today, I, I beg your indulgence in exploring how in these troubled times we can find peace and comfort as individuals for ourselves. It's going to be very difficult as we look at the national news to even begin to imagine what can happen. It, it's going to be very, very difficult to amplify, to not amplify the angst that we're feeling. I mean, if you just turn your TV on, the constant 24-hour coverage of protests and marches in America, it's almost unfamiliar to us. These are issues that typically we see in other countries. And maybe we turn a blind eye to it, like that's people over there, that's what they do. That's people in that country, that's what happens in their country. But it was always here, and it was always festering. It's just the death of George Floyd has amplified the need and the cry for racial, in, racial equality. As we look around our country, there are so many voices that have something to say. Everybody has something to say. The white nationalists have something to say. They believe in white supremacy, and they promote it through all kinds of mechanisms available to them. There are politicians who don't believe it's their problem. They, they are fine. They're comfortable in their world, and everything is a-okay. It's all good for them. And then there are the people. When you look at the numbers, you've got to understand that there is a genuine need for people to be worried. Black Americans are disproportionately affected by economic losses, evidenced by the jobs numbers. There are now black, the unemployment rate amongst Black Americans has gone up. It was 14%. It's now 16.8%. That's something to, something to be caused about. Black Americans have died more from COVID-19 due to inequities in healthcare. There is something there for us all to be worried about. So when you look at these issues, of course, these are troubling times. The times have called for each of us to search our hearts and find out where in us there needs to be change. The scripture says, search me, O God, and if there be any wicked way in me, lead me to an understanding of how I can change. And I feel that this is where all of us need to be. Maybe you will never pick up a protest. Maybe you will never march. Maybe you will never do a hashtag tweet of Black Lives Matter. Maybe you are even afraid because of the society and the community in which you live. But even if you have never contributed or donated to a Black Lives Matter protest or to bailout protesters who have been locked up indiscriminately, especially people of color, Maybe we need to search our hearts. What are these people fighting for? What is it that is so wrong with our system that causes people to take to the streets in thousands to fight for something they believe in? Maybe we need to examine ourselves. Have I ever contributed to racial inequality? I'm an employer. I'm a hiring professional. 
have I hired people simply based on merit or have I hired people because that is what is expected of me to hire more people who look like myself? Have I ever turned someone down knowing that they're desperate for this loan? Have I refused to, to open my apartment complex and to rent to black people because I think that they have issues? These are the stories that we need to pay. So I'm asking all of us, in whatever capacity you have ever worked in, in whatever ways that you have ever done anything, to search our hearts. In fact, if we search our hearts, we might be troubled at what we find. We might find that there are age-old stereotypes that have nothing to do with people. Maybe you live in a community and a black family moved in next door, and immediately the first thing you think is that they're going to bring crime. But they're professionals, they're lawyers, they're doctors, they're medical professionals, they're legal professionals, they work in the same fields, probably even have a better job than you do. But yet, because of age-old stereotypes, you attribute to them things that do not belong. We need to search our hearts. We look at young black people and we describe them as militants when they just graduated college and probably have two or three degrees under their belt. But because of the color of their skin, we attribute characteristics to them that don't belong. We probably need to search our hearts. I get up to go to speak, and immediately when you hear me start speaking, you attribute to me where I come from or what I, my background could be. Attribute characteristics to me that are not justified. We need to search our hearts. We need to look at why am I not bothered by all this protest and what they're talking about. Why is it that I don't believe that the police, if I call the police, they're not going to show up for me, but they're going to show up and assume that my neighbor who are black is wrong. We need to search our hearts. We need to search our hearts and ask ourselves, why are people talking about white supremacy? We need to search our hearts. And when we search our hearts and we are troubled by the matters that we find in our hearts. The scripture says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. If there comes a time during this week when people, there's going to be retaliation against the people who are protesting. It has already started. How can you help? What can you do? It's simply not enough for you to be cycling down a trail like what we saw in Bethesda, Maryland, and a white man in his superiority thinking thought that it was okay for him to simply just throw away protesters, took their flyers. He, in fact, attacked them and assaulted them, even a teenage child. We look at that, and we should not become comfortable and familiar with that. People have a right to assemble. It's guaranteed by the Constitution. People have a right to freedom of expression, freedom of association. People have a right to freedom of speech. Let them be. In much the same way, I'm not comfortable with armed militias walking through the Capitol. I did say that a few months, a few weeks ago, that this was going to end badly. I did say that. I did say it was not going to be good, and it was not going to end good. And yet, here we are. When people see that, you're forcing their backs against the wall. You're making all of us have to confront what is it that is in us. And I want, I want to read to you the scripture in John chapter 14, verses 1 to 3. And I read from the New King James Version. It says, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. 
In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I want to focus on this first sentence. Let not your heart be troubled. I know these are troubling times. It's very hard to find comfort to the parents and the family members and friends of those who have been impacted in recent times. Up until last night in Louisville, Kentucky, people were still on the street outside of the mayor's house because they won't let anyone forget her name, Brianna Taylor, who was shot seven times while she was sleeping. These are the issues. We have to search our hearts. We have to search our hearts and wonder why a judge would issue a no-knock arrest warrant at 2 a.m. in the morning. Why would the police, who would believe? I look outside, I'm black, and I see a group of white men out there. They have no, they're in plain clothes. They don't have sirens, nothing. And they knock on my door. You really think I'm going to believe that they're not white nationalists in a day and time like this? These families are hurting. These are just the names that have been filmed. What about the names that haven't been filmed? What about the thousands and hundreds of people who are sitting in a jail cell who were beaten while they were being arrested? I just saw an ad on YouTube just a few minutes ago in which people were justifying these killings. Free speech? So they're free speaking, <laughs> right? They were justifying the killings, saying that black people are violent and armed. And I'm sitting here in my skin. Do, am I armed? Am I violent? The fact that I speak up and speak my truth and talk about the issues, does that make me violent? A white woman who chooses to speak up is not deemed violent and is not typified and pro- projected as being violent. This is why we need to examine our hearts. A black man takes to the streets to protest. The, the, the Constitution guarantees freedom of assembly if you do it in public spaces, so parks, capital buildings, and so on, right? As long as it's not private property. So when black men do it and black women do it, they're violent. But when white women do it to advance change, remember when President Trump won? Trump won in 2017 when he was being inaugurated. White women took to the streets of Washington. They were not called violent. They were not called protesters. They were advocates for change. White, black women do it, and we're violent. Do you see? Search our hearts, all of us. We need to search our hearts. And it is troubling to me because as I look across the landscape, the political landscape across the country, no less can we say that there isn't a trend. For some reason, the people who are protesting, are portrayed as violent. Largely, they're violent when, in fact, that's not true. They're white nationalists who are promoting the violence. How are we going to achieve racial peace if we continue to pitch one against the other? So they feel they should get attention. They feel, well, if we agitate and if we do what we do, the police are going to believe it's them and turn war on them, start a race war. That's what they believe, but they're not being portrayed like that. If you ask an ordinary white person, they'll say, yeah, black people are usually criminal. That is not true. Most, you, do you know I have no family members who have been criminals? But you would, are you going to look at me and assume, assume that? My people are college educated. My people work professional in professional spaces. I have psychiatrists amongst my family members. 
I have university lecturers amongst my family members. I have lawyers amongst my family members. I have nurses amongst my family members, engineers. So are you going to attribute to me because of the color of my skin and theirs that they are criminals? We have to search our hearts. We must search our hearts. And the question that we need to ask ourselves is, what do we do now? We're in this space now. We have the opportunity to change. Where shall our change come from? Where is there going to be change? We look at people like Al Sharpton, who is an advocate for the black population nationwide, and you call him violent. Why? Because he doesn't stand for foolishness? Because he's been advocating for change most of his life? We look at other leader, black leaders, Jesse Jackson, and so on. In fact, we went as far as electing a black man to the highest office in the land. He couldn't get Jack done. He was pilloried. He was, they made effigies of him and called him all kinds of demeaning names because of the color of his skin. The man is a twice Ivy League educated constitutional law professor, which means he has studied, which means he's been a professional, which means never had a criminal background or any, neg- or any negative encounter with a criminal justice system. But yet, because of the color of his skin, he was called every livid name in the book by white, supreme white men who believe in white supremacy, like Mitch McConnell, who gave him the hardest time just because he's black and debated it and defended it as a right. We need to search our hearts. So to Senator McConnell, if you're headed to church this morning, or you feel like you should pick up a Bible, I want you to go to the scriptures in the New Testament where Jesus said, love one another, and ask yourself if that is something that you have practiced. We've got to get to the stage where we look as God looks at us. God doesn't see us as one group fighting against the other. That's man-made ideology. We made up that. God didn't. God said, okay, one group of people live over here. You're going to have these resources managed. You over there have these resources managed. Then when you appoint all of yourself, you come together at the round table called the United Nations and you fix your problems. The problem you have can be fixed by another guy over there. The problem you have can be fixed by another guy over there. That's what is called united. It's been many years now that I've been talking about what would we do if a catastrophe were to happen in the world and we were all impacted. Are we going to look at each other by the color of our skin? Well, the pandemic happened. We saw how inequitably resources were distributed. Right now, the, pan- the pandemic, having run through North America and Northern Europe, is in the Southern Hemisphere. It's in Africa, it's in Brazil, and it's India. It's not even being reported how much the pandemic is affecting folks in Brazil. I have to confess that reading those reports and looking at the graves that have been open in public spaces, I I have to confess that it was troubling to me and I found it uncomfortable. But have we shared our resources? Have we looked at our hearts? If the pandemic had not happened to us in North America and in Northern Europe, we would have dismissed it. We would never have paid attention to folks in Brazil, India, and Africa. 
we would have said it is their issue because of the they're black and brown, and these things happen to them because there are all kinds of things. It is amazing to me how unclean our hearts are. We need to clean out the chambers of our hearts. You know, in yoga, they call you know, in the study of uh, mindful meditation, they call it your chakras, <laughs> the chambers of our bodies where our research, where we think and our negative emotions are hidden. We need to visit those places and we need to clean them out because they're in fact not representative of who God is. We claim that we know God. We claim you, the president, didn't the president just pick up a Bible a couple of days ago? I, I have my here. Whoops. Noise on camera. The president picked up a Bible. And according to him, he took a photo with the Bible. He didn't say anything about the contents of the Bible or that his belief system lines up with the Bible. But he picked up a Bible as if to say, on this faith I stand. He didn't say it. So I'm not going to put words in his mouth because I, I think that was a photo op. But I am here showing you my Bible, that I stand by what this Bible says. This is what I believe. And I stand by this. And this Bible says I'm to love one another. It clearly outlines what went wrong in the Old Testament and what the fix is in the New Testament. But do we, there are people today who are going into a church service who marched as our militia yesterday. And they're going to go into a church service and hold up hands and say they love God and they love people and they love the people of God. But yesterday you were pointing guns at unarmed protesters. You are calling black people every negative name under the sun. You're going to work tomorrow and you're not going to hire a black person. And you're going to make sure that black people do not have any opportunity. But you're going to pick this up and you're going to cry that you're a Christian. You're not. The Bible says very clearly, it outlines what followers of Christ must do. It says these are the fruits of the spirit. Love, joy, peace. Where is that? If you had given black people peace, they wouldn't be protesting in the streets. Stop calling people protesters, violent, and names. Search your heart. You know deep in the chambers of your heart that what they're doing is right because what you and your ancestors have done over time has not been right. We need to search our hearts. I feel that we're at this momentous occasion. There is no way that this is going to just stop and abate and ease. Right now, as you and I are here, they are negotiating, and they're going to come up with a series of rhetoric designed to decrease the angst of people. The problem is people have heard this all before, and it's not going to go away. There's a funeral coming this week for George Floyd. He's going to be buried and placed under the ground. All that will be left of him is a memory for his family, a headstone to remember that he actually was a human being who lived and that for eight minutes and 58 seconds, a white man put his knee on his neck until he stopped breathing. Eight minutes and 58 seconds. I challenge you this week. Stop moving for eight minutes and 58 seconds. That's how long time is. Eight minutes and 58 seconds. That was less than 30 seconds. Did you see how long it is? 
That is what we're talking about. We've got to search the chambers of our heart. But this week, I don't believe that this is going to end just people are just going to put down their Black Lives Matter signs and they're just going to go home and forget about it. Especially young people. Young people are driven by this need to be part of the conversation. They're driven by this need to enjoy the fruits of the society. We're supposed to be the wealthiest country in the world, but for who? Not when the average net worth of a black man in his 40s is $5 and a black woman is less than $100. That is crazy. The average net worth of a white man in his 40s is $50,000. The average net worth of a black man in today's America who is in his 40s is $5. It has decreased from 2008. There is no way that there is going to be a peaceful end to this. The cries for injustice are too high. So this week, no matter what comes, no matter what legislation is going to be proposed, I don't know what they're going to try to do. I'm a little disturbed by what I see because I don't think people are just going to put it down and go back to work and go back to normal like nothing happened. Not when you're going to go back to a place where you find that you don't earn as much as the next person who is white, not when you find out that you have two more degrees than the white person who is supervising you. It's not just going to go away. Not when you go to court as a black lawyer and you realize it's a white prosecutor and a white judge and black people are just being locked up and shackled and put in a prison structure that for the last 40 years has been designed as a for-profit structure. That means the people who invest in prisons are concerned about one thing only, lock up as many black people as you can because the more black people who are locked up, they get paid $200 per head per day by the state. So that means pull over more people for traffic violations, lock them up when they go to court. The instructions have been issued. That's systemic. That's not just in North Carolina or South Carolina or Georgia or Florida. It's in Illinois. It's in Minnesota. It's in Michigan. It's in New Delaware. It's in New Hampshire. It's in Maine. It's in Washington. It's in Oregon. It's in Wyoming. It's in Montana. It's in Las Vegas. It's in California. It's systemic. And we have got to change this week. I don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen. More and more people are joining the fight. Did you see how many people showed up in Philadelphia on Saturday? We have had mass shootings, and politicians have not paid any attention to mass shootings to the number of lives that have been lost. They disregard what the people want over and over again. And you think that people are just going to lay their signs down this week? What if people are so fed up? I hope the police joins in the fight and realize that they too have been a tool of the system. And if they join in the fight, just maybe the entire system will overturn. Just maybe the entire system will overrun. How do you really think that in D.C., right outside of D.C., that the military came in on people and shot at unarmed protesters with rubber bullets? Come on, people. Tear gas people on American soil. And you really think that we are, when we emerge from this shock and awe of what took place, the signs are not just going to be put down. There is going to be change required. The inequities in healthcare 
that promoted the death and contributed to the death of black people due to pandemic called COVID-19. They did not have to die, but because of the color of their skin, they were overlooked by a system of oppression. People have been grieving. The grief is going to wear off, and when the grief wears off, they want change, and they're going to demand change. People walk into a hospital, into an emergency room, and you are not seen based on the condition that you come in complaining about. You are seen based on the color of your skin. It has to bow down. These are troubling times. This week, I encourage you, not let your heart be troubled no matter what is going on around you. Stay the course and believe in God. Focus in on God. Focus in on how God is going to get us out of this. Focus in like, God, you've been there for my ancestors. You're going to guide us through this. Who knows what they're going to do? Are they going to turn the hoses on us again? Are they going to bring the dogs out on people who are protesting? Is that what's going to happen next as they become fed up because they're tired of their ills being made public? The police in Minnesota have been doing this over and over again. I found a report where since 2015, there have been 425 times that they have used the chokehold mechanism in the Minneapolis Police Department. It just got filmed one time. Where are the other victims? They're silent, terrified, and oppressed is the issue. This week, it's going to boil up. And if it does boil up, and people become more and more and more at issue that the politicians are not calling for change. The politicians are not addressing the need for systemic change. What are people going to do? Let not your heart be troubled. If this is us as a republic, this is another time. We are approaching the 250th year of our experiment as a democracy. It's lasted a long time, hasn't it? Yeah, we all cannot because it had people's participation. We all wanted to be part of this. But we're at this tipping point where we have got to change. We have to look at, okay, uh, maybe we did some things to get to this point, but it's not helping us to go forward. We need to change. What is so hard about removing the inequities in the system? What can be so hard? Why is it that people refuse to accept the change? Why? Why do you want to hang on and hold on for dear life? Meanwhile, black bodies are staffing and are filling up your jail cells for nothing but a traffic stop. A traffic stop becomes violence. When the real criminal is a white man just driving past, he just drove right through it, but you stop a black boy and use his body to make money on us, stuff him in jail, stack our system from the top down, filled with racial inequities, and expect that it's just going to always be okay. We tell people that for you to participate in the American society, you need to be educated. So you create a system of student loans, and you remove all the, the, the tools that aid people of color to get in because you want to minimize their access. And then they do get in and they study and they graduate and then they can't find jobs even though they're qualified. 
but there are white people in there with a degree, with a, with a diploma from high school. Or you hire them just on the color of their skin. They have no affinity to you. They're not even related to you. But you hire them just on the color of their skin. We look at the Supreme Court. There's only one black justice. Black Americans are 14% of the population. Why is the Supreme Court only made up of one black man? Why is the Supreme Court only made up of one uh, Latino person? One Latino person is on the Supreme Court. These are the inequities. You look at the appellate courts all over the country in every state. There's no representation of the population. You look at the city council. You look at the, 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 the state run, the state senators and everything else. You look at how corporations are run here in Metro Detroit, corporate, all the large companies issued a statement. And I'm like, don't do any more talking. Show me the money. Show me the proof. Show me how many blacks are in your board of directors. Show me how many blacks are in your leadership. Don't just take one isolated one and show me one. Show me across the board. Then I will believe. These are, in fact, troubling times. And because we're troubled, these are situations we have looked to our leadership. We have looked at man for leadership. They failed. They weren't able to lead us. So now we're looking to God for answers. Because only God now must come to help us. And he's saying, let not your heart be troubled. In other words, despite everything that is going on, they focus on the fact that God has provided a way of escape for us. That way of escape is focusing. So this week, when the earth is shaking and the world is shaking and the political system seems to be amiss, focus in on God. We were all shaken Monday night. I couldn't believe what I saw in D.C. I went to bed troubled, and I have not been the same. This whole thing has un nerved me, shaken me up, makes me look over my shoulder. And if you hear a sound or wake up in the night mulling over the events of the day, you go to sleep, but you're not really sleeping because you're thinking what can happen next. It's the same thing for the people in the streets. They're taking a risk protesting. They're pretty sure they could be gunned down at any time. They're pretty sure that the guns could be turned on them, but they're determined anyhow to still go out and let the system know they've had enough. It is enough. We must move forward. We must make the change that is necessary. I still am posing the question, why is it so difficult to change your system of operating? You go to Wall Street. Why is Wall Street so white and pasty? You go into corporate structures of these big banks. Why is it white? There might be one token black. There might be 50 uh, executive positions. There might be two blacks. One Latino, never a Native American. Maybe an Asian, usually in charge of, you know, engineering or science or technology or something like that. But you look across it. And the decisions at the top of the pyramid is white. How? Why are you refusing to change? The belief that has been perpetuated that black people don't have intellectual skills. 
this explains why maybe they didn't buy my book. They just believe that black people can't read, they can't write. Do, do you know that these are still beliefs in some parts and some parts of the population? Can you actually believe that? Can you believe it? Yes, it is real. Our hearts are troubled. And in times like these, we have no choice now but to look to God for deliverance. Because the people who who are supposed to create the legislation, the people who are supposed to ensure the peace and the safety for all are not doing so. Now we have no choice but to turn to the scriptures and ask God for help. God has become our leader now. God is the only one who can deliver us. God is the only person who can probably soften the heart of the people who run corporations and run businesses and run healthcare structures and run the police department and run the city councils and run the Congress and run the House of Representatives and run the Senate and run the presidency. God now has to come down and make deliverance available. Let not your heart be troubled. He believe in God. Believe also in him. Believe this week. We're going to need it, my friends. We're going to need a stronger belief system than the one we have. Look carefully and listen carefully. We are in troubled times. These are troubling times. It is going to trouble us. It is going to shake us and shake the very foundation of what we thought we had. In the name of God, we must believe in God. We're going to have no choice but to look up unto God and believe in God. We have no choice. We have come to this place. We have no choice but to look up. A pandemic is raging. The numbers are going to increase this week. All of a sudden, you're going to see the numbers in plain sight that it was worse than we thought, that they manipulated the numbers, and it is in fact worse, that the virus is mutating over and over. You are going to see that people are going to stop and say, my God, I didn't have a choice from the get-go. God has to come now and deliver us. That's why he says, look up unto me. Look to me. Come on, look to me. Lose yourself in me. When you're pacing through your house, there are people right now where executive orders are going to expire. People are going to be evicted and be placed in the streets with their families. They have no support system. They have nowhere to go. Nothing to do is going to happen to people. What is going to happen when these people take to the streets? They have nothing. Nothing, nowhere to go. Their voices snuffed out. The pain of living has overcome them. This was not their choice. They didn't do this to themselves. A pandemic king that was mishandled. And because they're at the bottom of the ladder, they are invisible. They're not seen. Do you realize that is the cry of the people in the streets? That we are invisible, that you can't see us. So you do what you want and you have your party. And you go and commiserate and you sip your mimosas while the people are, that's why the people are in the street. Are you there now? Can you see me now? Can you see me now? Is the cry of the people. And God says, they're not going to answer you, but here I am. Let not your hearts be troubled. Whatever it is that you have to go through this week, wherever you find yourself this week on the spectrum of economics, how it trickles down and impacts you, let 
not your heart be troubled. If they tell you you have to leave your house, let not your heart be troubled. If they tell you you have to move out, let not your heart be troubled. If they tell you you won't have a job to come back to, let not your heart be troubled. Give it a few. It's going to work itself out because God is going to interrupt. God said, I gave it to you all to fix and you didn't fix it. Now I'm going to come in and I'm going to fix it my way in the Lord. Lean not to your own understanding, and in all your ways acknowledge him. Take the word, take my yoke upon you, and deal with it, carry it. Take up the cross of Jesus, believe in God. You don't have to go, you don't have to go proselytize anybody. Just right where you are right now, believe that God is going to give you peace to go through what must needs go through this week. Let not your heart be troubled. Whatever they say, whatever they're going to do, whatever, let not your heart be troubled. Be unmovable because God is going to be the deliverer. I can stake my life on it. I found myself in such a state in Florida in 2003. It was February. I didn't know what I was going to do. And the word of God came to me to let not my heart be troubled. I wrote it in my Bible. I still have that Bible to this day. The Bible took me to Psalm 68. Let God arise. I had to believe. I had no other choice. I had nothing. I didn't know how it was going to turn out. And God said, stay the course. It would shake. You have no idea how it continued to shake. It shook and it shook and it shook me to my very foundation until deliverance came in November, November 3 of 2003. Deliverance came. Watch ourselves. Deliverance is coming in November of this year. Watch ourselves. Deliverance is coming. It's coming to those who believe. It's coming to those who stay the course. Regardless of what happens in the street, those who believe, hang on to this belief that deliverance will come. We must change. And God is going to provide effective, meaningful change for the people who believe. Thank you so much for joining me. It's Sunday morning. I encourage you to meditate on this. Before I leave, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus. I stand on the word of God. I believe John chapter 14, verse 1. Let not our hearts be troubled. We believe in God. We state categorically. We believe in God. We hold on to that as we go through this day. We hold on to that as we go through tomorrow. We pray for the people who are protesting for their bravery and courage to stand up. And we ask that you still the hands of violence in the name of Jesus. And we pray that as we go through this change, this societal change that must come, we ask the Lord God to step right in, keep your people, and give us peace in Jesus' name. Thank you so much, everybody. It's Sunday morning. Be blessed. Thank you so much. Go to my website, harrietcameron.com. Thank you so much. Be blessed, everybody. Hey, let's see who is this. Hey, brother figure. He is not even confident in his own heart to show the word folded Bible on the book's cover. I'll bet there are zero folders of him holding the art of the deal backwards. This movement seems to have eclipsed the Arab Spring in its cult. That's true. London, Paris, Auckland, Perth, Rio de Janeiro, Nairobi, Cape Town, Buenos Aires, Sydney. 
and Guadalajara have all held protests. It's true. Thank you so much for your contribution. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Be blessed. Oh.